When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we recap OU's win in Bedlam. We also recap some of the best games of Week 12 in college football and give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, November 21st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of November, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave by a safe five-star review and a nice comment. And the Oklahoma Sooners won Bedlam. Thank God, Ted. Yes, it was awesome. We made it about as interesting as we could after going up 28-0 right out of the gate. But it's a win, baby. It's a win. It is, it is a win. The Oklahoma Sooners are also now bowl eligible, which we've talked a lot about. And that is, that's very important when it comes to building the foundation for the future of this program under Brent Venables. And before we talk about the defense and the offense and what we saw, want to give a shout out to the fans. It was pretty chilly. Yep. And they made some noise, man. That was an awesome atmosphere. I thought the fans made the, made a big difference in the football game. Uh, I thought I thought Oklahoma State's offense, especially, was affected by the environment, by that atmosphere. Uh, we all know it was a big recruiting weekend as well. I thought the like the in game operations people did a great job they with the music. It. That was awesome. It was great. That was one of the best game day atmospheres I can remember in Norman. It was a lot of fun. It was. It was really good. You know, I'll say 
our student section has taken a lot of heat in the past. And I think in the home opener, the student section bailed pretty early in the football game. But after getting called out, they've been really, really good. They stayed till the very end of every football game. They were there the entire time, uh, obviously, against Oklahoma State. And you're right. They killed it. The in-stadium uh, entertainment stuff was great. Music was great. The light show, everything. It was really cool. A lot of house music, baby. Yeah. Of- <clears throat> <clears throat> some Get the people moving. There. That's what you got to do when it's cold. Come on. Play some dance music. It was it was fun, man. I had a good time. All right. Let's start with the defense, right? They were the star of the show for three of the four quarters last night. Well, really, they were they were good all night for yep. the most part. So what'd you think of what you saw, man? Overall, excellent. Excellent. Now, um, really, whenever you go back and you look at it, the only real thing that Oklahoma State did, um, and it's not really something that you worry about, but it's just Spencer Sanders able to break contain and run a little bit on him. And that dude, he hats off to him. Gutsy effort. 67 throws, I think 17 runs, 84 of their 102 plays went through him. 67 throws on a bad shoulder in the cold is is not easy. And, you know, credit our defense. I thought they started the game awesome, and they ended the game awesome. Here's how we started. Three and out, interception, interception, three and out, forced a punt, uh, forced an interception, punt, and then field goal. So you went what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven possessions in a row, either forcing a punt or a turnover before they even got a field goal. Incredible stuff. Great team defense. I thought Venables had an excellent game plan. They were multiple, constantly changing the front and changing the look for Spencer Sanders. Uh, we were bringing blitzes from a bunch of different places. Um, back, I thought the backers both played really well. Aguebu and Stutzman, you know, some of the stuff I've been talking about with those guys, just overall general football knowledge, better and better and better each week. Aguebu getting guys lined up. Some of the stuff I, st- I saw from Stutzman in his zone drop game, he's getting better, man. He's starting to see the field and understand concepts and he's he's passing things off and seeing through verticals much better um i thought on the back end how about cj colden man he's turned into a lockdown corner for him asked him to do a lot of stuff a lot of man coverage out there thought he played really well um thought bowman played really well had that interception which was nice for him now it was a total bust on our end on that play we had a corner blitz just so like people understand, say you call a corner blitz and the corner's on the outside receiver, there's a one receiver side, and he's going to come off that receiver and blitz. Well, if they motion or they line up with two receivers over there, well, you can't blitz from the outside wide receiver anymore, right? Because there's a, another receiver there. So naturally, there's an exchange, and now the slot guy comes off the edge. The front's still the same. And the coverage is still the same, except the corner's now in a different spot. He's on the outside playing a deep third. Well, they don't communicate, and we have both guys coming off the edge, right? So 
it leaves the outside guy wide open and, and Billy Bowman's able to get over there and make a play on the uncovered wide receiver. So he kind of saved our butt, but you know, sometimes that's what it takes. Um, I thought the defensive line absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. Um, Jordan Kelly looked good. Jalen Redmond had a big sack when we needed it. Thought the guys on the edge played physical and tough with Downs and and Reggie Grimes. Uh, R. Mason Thomas was out there quite a bit. You know he's got some good shake and he can he can rush the passer. He's just he he's and he's a true freshman. I understand, but you know he's he's got to get a little bit thicker, a little bit stronger, and you know has to has to have a a better. Can't just run around the corner every single time. You got to have some type of counter. You've got to have some strength to you and and develop that. But but he's going to and um you know all in all i thought just an excellent day excellent day started off with the bang got the ball through our offense multiple times and then as the offense stalled out they continued to press and played really well down the stretch i thought it was the best they played all season yep and and i know that i know oklahoma state's offensive line isn't any good i don't i don't really care Though, uh, I mean, you rack up, what, six sacks, 13 TFLs. That's a good day at the office, man. And especially, of course, we'll talk about it with, you know, with them not getting anything from the offense for three quarters, for them to keep going out on the field and executing the way that they did. It was really impressive, man. Like, and that was the interesting thing about how that game started and then how to finish. Like before the game, if you would have said, Hey, OU's going to win by two scores in Spencer Sanders plays. Like you would have said, awesome. We'll take it. But yep. with the way it started and then the way that the second, third and fourth quarter went, it it's created a very weird discussion around this game. Yeah. No, well, no. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And you know, there was this feeling of, at least for me, maybe everyone else felt differently, but just because it's been a little uncertain, right, on the defensive side, which, you know, they've they've started to put together some good stretches. I thought they played some really good stretches against West Virginia, lost that game, but they played some awesome stretches, uh, obviously, against Oklahoma State, but there was still this feeling like they've been playing so good. Is is, is this thing about to break? Are they about to to give up something big? And they never did. What I really loved is the energy that those guys were taking the field with every time. You know, as this thing was boiling down and three and out by the offense, go out and get a stop. Excited to take the field. Three and out again by the offense, excited to take the field. There was no, like, throwing your hands up in the air. No, like, you know, come on, help us out. None of that. Excited to take the field every single time. And... You know, we, we've talked about this before, but it's it's really fun to play well. And when you have confidence and you're excited and you trust your teammates, trust the game plan, and you're executing, it doesn't matter. You, you have fun and you enjoy taking the field. There is no stress about, uh, you know, the other side of the ball not handling their end of the bargain. You just go out there and you enjoy playing as a group. And I thought that was a huge step in the right direction. I – I believe we talked about it before. Like, what are you most uh, looking forward to for that game? And I said, just finding something to build on for the future, right? Something that you can be proud of. And uh, that's exactly what it was defensively. That is a game 
that I feel like we'll be able to look back on some point and say that was the real turning point. That was the starting point, what this defense can become. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It was it was exciting to watch them play well. Yep. And it was exciting to watch them play well and play with energy and fly around and make plays. Like I I felt like that was the most decisive we've seen that group. And I know the momentum in a game like that, like it builds. You you start well, you're playing well, right? You hit them with the avalanche early, you're up 28 to nothing. Like you got juice. I get that. But as far as them executing the game plan, them leveraging things properly in the run game and in coverage, like it just it seemed to me by far their cleanest performance, which it, it was great. And We've talked a lot about, hey, if you can make teams one-dimensional offensively, like it puts them in a box, and, and then it should make playing defense easier, and that's exactly what it looks like. I mean, Oklahoma State had no chance of any traditional run game, and they made Spencer Sanders, and I know he got out with his legs a little bit, but they made him play quarterback, drop back, and play quarterback all night long, and just not easy to do that no matter how good you are at QB like if if you cannot run the football it's hard to it's hard to move it offensively and they completely shut down the run game man and and forced them to be a one-dimensional football team and we see the result of that that's right yeah I, I thought it was thought it was excellent um no no really bad penalties to speak of the pass interference call in the end zone which end up be the one series that they did give up a touchdown. It's just a god awful call. Uh, really good coverage there, in great position. And you know, it's just it's fun that I, everyone was in on the the action. Like you look across the board, all the defensive backs had big plays. Uh, both inside backers played well. Deshaun White had a sack, had an interception there, kind of the the game sealer, which was was wild. Like you know, Oklahoma State's driving. We force that in, that turnover in the end zone. Deshaun White takes the knee, and it's like, all right, that's that's the game winner. No, Oklahoma State had two more possessions after that, which is wild, but uh, they just kept going out and answering the call. Wild is a word for it. <laughs> we'll get to that. We will get to that. Okay, anything else defensively? I, just, I want to say this, man. I love seeing you happy recapping a – a game where the defense played well. You're you're like a different human being than I you've know. been a couple of these recap episodes. It feels good, man. I I'm happy for those guys because I know how hard it is. I know the grind. I know just the anxiety that's hanging over the team and that side of the ball. And you know, like I said, it hasn't hasn't necessarily been fair. Nobody cares about things being fair or not, but. You know, I thought they played a good game last week. Outside of some obvious uh, problems, I thought they put together a really solid game. And like everyone around here is so used to just pointing the finger at the defense, and it's like Pavlov's dog. Whenever there's a loss, we just say the defense is god awful. But feel like they they've actually been improving week by week. There's been some good things that have shown up, and you know, a performance like that is something to really hang your hat on. I'm I'm thrilled for these guys. Well, I'm thrilled for you. Yes. Because I, I like I like seeing you in a good mood. Okay, let's talk about OU's offensive performance in Bedlam. It is it's one of the most confusing offensive performances I can recall. 
nearly a school record and played a lot of good football at Oklahoma. There's been a lot of good offenses. Yeah. Nearly a school record for yards in a quarter in the first quarter. Doing anything that they wanted. Run game, RPO game, everything's working out. Defense had a big hand in that, right? Forcing turnovers. But just everything was clicking. And then it just all went away. You jump out 28 to nothing, and you essentially stall out the rest of the football game. Like, you look at that first quarter, total, utter, complete dominance. And then the rest of the game, the the second, third, and fourth quarter, Oklahoma State outgained OU 423 yards to 135. Where do we even start, man? Like, cause, because it's as good as it's looked in that first quarter, right? And that was that was the entire football team, right? It was all clicking. The juice was there. Like, it was all working. And then, man, it just, it vanished. It was, it was so bizarre. So weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know it's, it goes back to, you know, something that we've talked about a little bit with, with the team is when they're moving with some tempo and they're in a rhythm, they're, they're really tough, but if they never get in that rhythm and they're not good on early downs, it's like they hit a brick wall. It's wild. I don't, I don't have an explanation for it. One of 15 on third and fourth down. So that's two weeks in a row of just, atrocious execution on money downs and they're not and it's not like they're third and 15s no i mean that that's how you end up with the other team having a 15 plus minute time of possession advantage the kid couldn't extend drives couldn't stay on the field and you know everyone had a hand in it like some of the play calls i didn't love right but DG's got to be more accurate in some of those some of those situations. Wide receivers have to create some separation. We'll talk some more about that. Uh, you know, backs have to make guys miss. Like it's it was a bunch of everything, but and they got to figure it out. <laughs> I know there's only one one regular season game left, but they'll go to Lubbock and get beat by Tech if they do that. Yep. And they'll get beat substantially. Like that's going to be a that's going to be a tough atmosphere in Lubbock next Saturday night. So I, you get out to the big lead and, and I understand you're not just going to keep scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring. Like eventually your opponent's going to get some stops, right? Uh, I mean, that's, that's just how the football game is going to work. But when you get out to that big lead, especially in the second half, the goal is to run the ball efficiently. Stay on the field, put some longer drives together, right? Use the play clock. And some of the stuff that they did, you know, the middle of the third quarter and throughout the fourth quarter, I just couldn't believe. I couldn't believe what there was like five minutes left to go in the game. They're snapping the ball as fast as they can on second down. And you and I, you even said on the broadcast, you're like, what is happening? Yeah. I, I, I don't know like where the disconnect is there because 
it's not like Lebby doesn't know they need to be using the play clock there. And certainly you would assume Brent Venables is on the headset going, what, what are we doing? Why are we not snapping this thing with one second left on the play clock? I don't know. How does the only that happen? Thing I can think of is like they they have they've stalled out so much that they feel like the only way that they can generate anything for a first down is to get up there and go as fast and try and catch them off guard. But I mean, we're seventy five plays into this thing. Are, are you catching anyone off guard? I don't know. It's I don't, it. I I was it's kind of blown away by it myself. And they used the tempo really effectively early in the game, right? Oklahoma State, they were having trouble getting lined up. You think about the Farouk play, like they're caught subbing, like this whole thing, it was a mess in the back end. He runs wide open. Like they used tempo effectively early in the game. But as the game changes, you have to change. You can't just play one way. That's not what good offenses do. You, You have to be able to play to the situation. And the situation was, we're up 28 to nothing. Let's choke the life out of these dudes. Let's be methodical about it. Let's run the football. Let's get easy completions. For the love of God, can we get some intermediate passing game? Just some. It is. But, and I, I, I just especially in the fourth quarter, I have no idea why they were doing some of the things like going at the pace that they were going. Ted, they finished. Remember, you're trying to go finish the game, right? And the whole point is you're, you're, you get into four-minute offense, whatever you want to call it. Like, hey, we're going to run it down their throats. We're going to choose some clock. We're going to string some drives together. The OU offense had six three and outs to finish the football game. It's incredible. Sticks in a row to finish the game. It is the exact opposite of what you're going for. <laughs> like, like, I couldn't, it was, it was borderline unbelievable how inefficient they were late in that football game. And it's, and maybe it wouldn't stand out so much if they wouldn't have done what they did in the first quarter. Right. But like you saw that and then you compare it to what they, weren't able to accomplish in the fourth and you're just like how how is this the same offense yeah i don't know um it i've been asked a bunch of times i don't have an answer for i don't know i don't know what went wrong i don't know how it ended up that way is the answer like that this team hasn't really been in that situation since what nebraska and Venables and Levy like just didn't handle it well. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. But that was some odd clock management. It was we. I, I don't know what else to say about it. I didn't hate like the play calls and stuff. Like they were running stuff they had success with earlier in the game, and just I. I will say this, and this, this is something that you and I have talked a little bit about. In that second half, Oklahoma State. It wasn't every snap, but it was a lot. They basically said, hey, we're going to play man. And we're going to drop Kendall Daniels into that little robber spot in the middle. He's going to be a free hitter in the run game. And we're going to make your wide receivers get separation and beat us. Force you, like, if you want to take shots down the field, you want to throw it to those guys. And 
I, and I know they were in a big hole. So, right. You got to take some more risk as a defense. Like that's all, that's all part of it. But there was no separation. It was, and I did, I did not see that coming. And it kind of made me take a step back and go, okay, like how good is this wide receiver group that Oklahoma state who has been a vulnerable back seven or at least secondary, that's been the weakness of that defense Mm -hmm. that they were able to say, all right, let's play man and let's see what happens. And OU's offense couldn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. They had some success early, like like the Drake Stoops, the little wheel route, you know, stutter. That's man to man. And they're just kind of creating a natural little pick there. And they were able to make something happen there. But uh, if, if, if teams are going to go man to man on you, you have to make them pay with creative releases and pick routes and bunches and pairs just to throw those guys off. And yeah, we, or you got to have guys that can run away from people. And that was the thing for me. I was like, dang, the step for step cross the board. Yeah. And you're right though. It's, we've, we've got to be able to figure that out. Like you, you, especially going on the road. If you've got a lead and you can't close the game out by being able to generate some first downs, like our defense played a hell of a game. Like I, they're not at the point where you can, you can close games out with six, three and outs in a row and expect to win. You know, I don't know if you heard this stat or not, but Toby said it in the post game right now. Time of possession wise, the defense has played ninety minutes more of football up to this point in the season. That's six quarters, a game and a half of football more than the offense that they've been out there on the field. That is that is that is losing football. You cannot do that. Can't happen. All right. I'm all for up tempo as a weapon, but I, and I've, I even heard coach Vittable say this at one point early, very early last off season, you know, whenever he was asked about the up-tempo stuff um, and it, it's, it's good to have it, but it can't be, it can't, you can't go up-tempo like as a way, like that's the only way you can block people. Right is to like try and get them scattered and, and, you know, laid off the ball. And that's like, it's, it it shouldn't be a substitute for being able to block people. You should also be able to line up. Everyone knows what's coming and push people off the football. And for whatever reason, late in games, we're not able to do that. Like there were some times in that game early where we were blowing Oklahoma state off the ball. And then it just all disappeared. Yeah. The box got crowded. Uh, the lanes got very small, and yeah, I just I, I do wonder if it would have opened up a little bit if they would have just tried to push it down the field a little more. And I know that's kind of going the opposite. Like you got a big lead, you want to run it, you want to use the clock. But if a team is going to commit all of that to the box, like you got to make a pay. A wide receiver's got to win. Yeah. So that's where I was just like, dang. But okay, just. Quick on kind of position by position offensively. 
thought Dylan Gabriel, it was another up and down night for him, man. Mm-hmm. Had some really good moments, thought he did some good stuff with his legs, but he still hasn't found that level of consistency. Now, he had some really nice throws. I, I think I think that throw to Drake Stoops for the touchdown, I think that's his best throw of the season. It was awesome. I thought that was that's about as good as it gets. Uh, but then you've got somewhere he's just missing guys. You've got the interception before the half where, I mean, he's throwing a 100-mile-an-hour heater way behind Drake, Drake Stoops. It gets popped up in the air. You take points off the board and, you know, missed Eric Gray. What I thought uh, kind of down the sideline would probably would have been a touchdown. So just some – he still has some of these throws where you just kind of scratch your head watching it. You're like, what? What happened? Uh, yeah, that's and I just I, I feel like I never know what I'm gonna get when he drops back to throw. Like he has somewhere I'm just like, wow, what look look at him just rip it in there and then somewhere I'm like, what is I don't know, it's confusing, man. Yeah. No, I understand. Um you know, typically when he's got a good pocket, good, you know, platform to throw from, he's accurate, and then it feels like once he misses once he has one of those throws, it's kind of like what happened throw. Feels like it starts to devolve a little bit after that point. Like he loses his confidence pretty quickly. Like when they're clicking and they're rolling, he's money. I thought like some of the stuff early, he was throwing some fastballs out there to the perimeter stuff and just putting it on guys in the perfect spot. Uh, hit some nice deep throws. And then someone just turned the faucet to completely off. One completion in the second half. It's unbelievable. I mean, with what they were doing from a coverage standpoint to <laughs> I mean it's unbelievable. But uh Eric Gray did not have a ton of space in the run game. Right. Stuff was really crowded. I, I thought Oklahoma State, once they made some of those adjustments, uh got those safeties more involved in the fit. I thought they did a pretty good job of kind of muddying up the counter stuff with how they played it, um, spilled it. And it just, the, the creases that we've seen this team get from some of the variations of that counter play just were not there. Um, safeties were shallow. There's unblocked guys and was not a ton of space for Eric gray to try to make a miss. And you know, the biggest run of the night came on that stretch play where he made not one, but two guys miss. And, well, I think that was about a 35-yarder. Mm-hmm. He had 55 yards on his other 19 carries. For the leading uh, yards per carry guy in the Big 12. Yeah. So, I mean, you removed that 35-yarder out of there. He was at 2.8 yards per carry on those other 19 runs. So, like, it was not – I I look – when I look for I, – I look for efficiency in the run game. And it was not an efficient night running the football for Eric Gray, which feels like it's been a while since we've said that. I, I know Javante Barnes had a couple really nice runs, and you know it looks like he's starting to understand the timing of things better. That guy's got some juice, man. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But they did not, especially getting out to that big lead, I was, I was disappointed in the lack of the efficiency of the run game. Yeah, I agree. And then as you showed, you know, more and more as the game unfolded that you didn't have an answer to back them off in the passing game. They just became more and more aggressive up front. Yeah. It's a, it's a problem. You know, you, you've kind of, 
you've opened up a can of worms, I'm sure, on on how Texas Tech and you know eventually bowl game whatever how people are going to defend you if you don't have an answer for it coming out against Tech. I don't love it. Yeah, I mean, I I'd play cover one until someone proves they can run by somebody. Yep. So we'll, we'll up. let's go. We'll add a safety to the box. Backers are one gap sound. Here we go. Make Dylan Gabriel make accurate throws, make guys win. That's what I do. Yep. And I, I if you and I see it, <laughs> I guarantee you Joey McGuire sees it. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. But um, as far as the wide receivers, it was good to see Marvin Mims catch the ball with confidence. That was good. Had had a couple nice plays in the RPO game. Uh, one, one thing that was interesting, interesting. He fair caught some things in the punt return game yeah, that were not that used. Real bad. I, I I don't know if those are called like, hey, just go out there and fair catch it. But it seemed like he fair caught some things in the punt return game that he normally hasn't fair caught. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that the kickoff return was nice. The throwback from Bowman uh, that was really cool. It's a good ball by Bowman. It really was. Thing That's was on the line. Easy- not an easy throw um put it right perfect and um that was that was a really nice return but we got nothing out of it um but you know i my biggest thing like i always want guys to have good positive yards in the punt return game and if you fair catch it whenever maybe you had a lane that doesn't make me near as mad as whenever you don't catch the ball in the air like that's the biggest thing is go catch the ball in the air and so it's kind of hard to get upset there. I, like, I don't know if they're telling him just fair catch it. Don't even worry about it. Maybe if they've got a, a block on or something. But, yeah, there was there's definitely some opportunities. Yeah. Uh, Farouk had the touchdown, but other than that, a forgetful night for him. A couple of which, drops. Which uh, is unfortunate because it started so well. Now just a coverage bust there for Oklahoma State. And, but he catches the touchdown and then uh, – Unfortunately, I feel like that got overshadowed by the drops and some key drops, right? So I don't know if Mims gave it to him or what, man. I I don't know, but got to get that figured out. Yeah. He's – we've heard Coach Venables talk about, and and he's not the only one. Obviously, we've mentioned it too. This team just doesn't have a very big margin of error right now. They just don't have – they don't have that ability to to cover up for a bunch of mistakes. And, you know, especially offensively where we're going through some rough patches, you just can't – you can't afford to drop the passes that are there, right? Because we just don't know how many opportunities we're going to have. If you've got a ball that's on you, you got to help your quarterback out and help your teammates out by making all those plays. Just can't afford it right now. Yeah, and then Drake Stoops, uh, really nice night. For Dre, a couple of nice catches, uh, had the touchdown, but I, I thought his nicest catch in the night. Full extension, right? Sets up, you know, catches it over his head, kind of backpedaling, sets up the first touchdown of the game. Kind of set the tone yep. early in the football game. And that was it was fun watching Drake have that type of success on senior night. Nope. It was great. Yeah, that one he caught over the top of his head. He caught like the ass into the ball, too, which is even more difficult. Yeah. And- Held on to it. Uh, that was awesome. Great little move on that little stutter. Will route. Beautiful ball by Dylan Gabriel in the back of the end zone. 
And, um, you know, he had some other opportunities out there that Dylan Gabriel just couldn't put the ball on him. Yeah. Okay. Braden Willis. I was really bummed for him that he had the fumble because he really caused it himself. Like Muhammad went super low and it was like Braden saw it and was like, I'm going to knock the shit out of this guy for going that low. And as a result of that, he forced the, he kind of forced the fumble himself, but he ends up hurtling the next time when he should have hurtled the first time. But once again, I mean, that guy, there are some collisions between him and Mason Cobb there in the interior. Some of those insert concepts they had him doing. Uh, I thought he thought he added some really nice stuff uh, as a blocker in the run game. And yeah, he, he was physical, man. He he was physical. I hate that the fumble happened, but I, I thought he, he shook that off and played a nice game after that. You know, that had to, that had to hurt senior night, the whole thing. He was just trying to inflict some punishment, really just caused himself to fumble. It's actually in hindsight, kind of funny. Yeah, no, he, he's, um, he's still great in the run game, which, you know, that's one of the positives. I thought there were some, some good physical blocks, like pancake blocks out of the, some offensive line and, and uh, Braden Willis in the run game. Good, tough stuff again. Yeah, O-line, just run through him quick. Uh, Anton Harrison, solid game. I know he had the holding call that took what seemed like the only positive offensive play of the second, third, or fourth quarter on that Mims catch, kind of on the scramble drill, but I really wouldn't have him do anything differently. I mean, sometimes those happen, right? Yeah. Sometimes you get caught when the when the quarterback breaks, you know, kind of flees the pocket. Yeah, when you've got a guy kind of locked down and quarterback runs outside of you and that guy goes to flail and, you know, you just there's a little tug there that's natural. You're not quick enough to release him. You know, sometimes I wish they would let him go, like let that play on, but, you know, you're opening up a can of worms there. Yeah, and I will say, Anton, he was he was battling through some cramps pretty much the majority of the second half. And... It's like there was a lot of guys out there. Now, I know there's – when it gets super dry, you burn through more fluids than you think. And plus, like, probably some guys been sick a little bit, too. There's been a lot of stuff going around. So that time of the year, man. Yep. Uh, but I thought he battled through that, played a, played a solid game. Uh, McCade Matoyer, feel like I can just repeat the same thing every week, uh, got, got in the way. Uh, now, he did have. One of the early touchdowns, he took a dude and planted him in the end zone, and he yep. was fired up, and I was fired up. It was fun to watch. But uh, other than that, you know, he did did it did a solid job. That's the best way uh, that I can describe how the left guard position has gone pretty much all season. Robert Conjol at center uh, for Rame. I think Rame's done for the year, but I, I just hate the way he snaps the ball so much. I hate it with every ounce of my being. Exploder. The dead ball, whoever invented that should be thrown in prison. I it just floats. I, I just hate it. I hate it so much. But and it some of those snaps, like he's your center moving forward. Like you you have to because they use a lot of timing and a lot of motion. The snap's got to be on time and accurate. And some of those kind of what I call ball handling, some of the ball handling for Dylan Gabriel got thrown off because the snap just took forever to get back there. Oh, my God, it was excruciating. What's funny is, like, 
when you're watching it, you can tell the timing's off. But whenever you're in it and like you're playing, it feels like like if you're Dylan Gabriel, I get it feels like five minutes before that football gets there, right? It feels like, like the players are on top of you. Creates an immense sense of panic. Yeah. <laughs> so they gotta they gotta get that figured out. As far as how Conjo played after he snapped the football, thought he was solid. You know, he good. like to be able to to lose a center like you know one of your one of your premium players on the offensive line. Like he's he's been as a utility offensive lineman this year. He's been really good. Yeah, he's. He's been good. Yeah, that's good. Like as a as a fill in guy, like your swing interior guy, it, it's important to have that guy. He's also what is he like thirty five years old now? So I mean, it is. Uh, it it. I thought he I thought he played. He he didn't get a ton. Didn't create a ton of movement in the run game, but he does a nice job of what I call covering guys up. Right, lot lot of pluses on the grade sheet no double pluses where you're like, damn, you do- you dominated that guy. What a finish. Just, but yeah. he-, he did a good job covering guys up. Chris Murray, speaking of finishing guys, woo. Now, he, now he, he had some bad plays, right? Where his lack of length showed up and hurt him. But there's a couple, you talk about pancakes and not only the pancake, but then like Chris will celebrate the pancake. Unlike any offensive lineman that we've like Cody Ford had a similar celebration style when it came to the pancake. It's like he does it. He gets up, he flexes on the guy and then like screams to the heavens. It's, (laughs) it's pretty awesome to watch, but yeah, he had a couple of those and and that was fun. And then Wanya Morris, I, I thought he played a nice game until he went out with the injury and going back and watching it on tape. I think he took a knee to the head. That's kind of what it looked like to me. And, you know, you never know with concussion, head injury stuff, like what the timeline's going to look like. But Tyler Guyton came in and I thought he did a nice job, right? Being ready to go. And he's still a guy. I'm really excited about his future with his 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 athleticism and length. But thought he did a solid job coming in and spelling Wanye. But yeah, I don't know it. I I don't know if that that may be the last game we see Wanye play for OU. I mean, when yeah. you think about it, if he can't play in the if he can't play in the tech game, uh, I mean, who knows what uh, some of these guys are going to do for the bowl game, right? So I, I don't know, but uh, I thought he was having a nice night until he went out. We're, we're, he's going to have to come on, uh, Guyton, Savion Bird, the Jakes. Like, there's going to have to be some big improvement, and you know, because be losing a lot of guys off that offensive line. So um, come next year. We're going to have to have a bunch of dudes step up. Yep. All right. Let's get to call your shot. And we asked you guys your number one takeaway from OU's win over Oklahoma State. I, I'm going to read this first one from Chad Minson just because I don't know if he did all of this himself or if he got it from somewhere. I don't know. But my man's got the numbers. Okay. His number one takeaway, Ted 11 punts for 530 yards. One for 14 on third downs, 19 possessions, 28 points, 13 consecutive possessions with zero points, one drive, one drive longer than two minutes. 
Straight three and outs to end the game. Six is the number he forgot to put in there. 16 drives of one minute and 26 seconds or less. It's amazing the D held up, but they did. Boomer. When you throw numbers on it like that, man, Chad Minson's right. That was a heck of a defensive performance. It was. It was. I One drive longer than two minutes. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's insane. And we've had some nice ones this year. I mean, they've been able to put some together, but I mean, think about this. Oklahoma State ran 102 offensive plays and came up with 13 points. That is a hell of a day defensively. I don't care who you're playing. It's a lot of football to be playing in one day. Can't happen, man. Nope. Never again. Never again. I I will say Turk Turk was great again. That dude was he had some absolute mortar shots. I don't know how he did the one where it like ran out and then checked up at like the one or two. That was a bomb. That was an incredible punt. Uh he has he has the most punts in the Big 12 by a long ways. Not a good statistic. He also has the most touchbacks in the Big 12 by a long ways. Also not a good statistic. But that average, buddy, it's up there. That average is way up there. And saw an old social media propose to his girlfriend after the yeah, game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Congratulations, Turk. Looked like I she s- said yes from the video. Well, what are you going to do? I saw like a huge crowd around him. Everyone was jumping up, going crazy. You can't put the man on the spot like that. Say no later, maybe, but <laughs> right there, you can't do <laughs> That's that. That's awful. No, congrats <laughs> to the happy power couple there, uh, Grace Lyons and Michael Turk. That's that's good. Okay, this one, uh, this one comes from at Zach underscore DT, who says a bedlam win writes a lot of wrongs. Frustrating game, frustrating season, but dang it, we won Bedlam. More important than beating Texas. We live amongst these fans. I like I like Zach's positive outlook on that football game. I like it. I like it. But let's be honest. Like if we hadn't have already lost to Texas this year, there's no way we would say that beating Oklahoma State is more important than beating Texas. Completely agree, but it's okay. Sometimes paradigm have, shift. Paradigm right. shift. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes you have to load up the goalposts and move them around. Okay, that's fine. I get it. Which and at the this... time, like be, with the whole situation, the circumstances right now, that it, it was a must win. Man, we had to have it. Absolutely, bowl eligible, baby. Bowl that's eligible. Right. And this last one, uh, I thought it was funny. Comes from Jonathan Hickman, who said. Did we do enough to flip Hicks and Bowen? <laughs> Which tell. that was, I, I mean, and at least for the the Hicks situation, do you see the uh, see Cal Field after yeah. halftime? There were some in, empty stadiums all across the country. It, there was a bunch of them around, and it was cold, and the season hasn't gone well. And it goes back to what we said off the top about how great the fans were. That turnout, that atmosphere, those kids listen. I, I guarantee you this. That didn't do anything to hurt those two young men changing where they want to go to school. I thought that I, I thought the fan base really represented uh, and it was it was a really cool atmosphere. So 
I there's clearly a big NIL component to those young men's decisions. And I totally get that. And I know OU uh, with the crimson and cream stuff, we're all trying to work to get it kind of all under one roof and get, make it easy on not only the athletes, but the fan base as well. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how some of these, some of these targets for the Sooners, uh, we'll, we'll see what they end up deciding. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, everything that went down, um, I, I think it, it looks good, right? The way the defense play, whenever you have, what, six five-star defensive players there and the defense played the way they did with the kind of energy they did, fan base was there to the to the very end out there. There's a great atmosphere in, in stadium stuff was great. All in all, like I don't know if that's going to be the, the ultimate thing, but we didn't hurt ourselves, that's for sure. Uh, all I know is we didn't play a tight game against UMass. <laughs> right. Which is good. That's good. That's a good thing. It's, I saw their A&M fans. Oh, it's like 40 degrees. That's that's not that cold, guys. Figure it out. No. no. That's that's wild. That place is uh That stadium does not look the same whenever it's totally empty, does it? It does not. All right. Birthday shout-outs time. Welcome to the world. Beckett Ryan Pitt. Happy first birthday to Cameron Finn Laws. Happy fifth birthday to Nehemiah Hamilton. Happy ninth birthday to Harper Clark. Happy 13th birthday to Bentley Van Zandt. Love that. Happy happy 13th birthday to Angelica Rose Garcia. Happy 23rd birthday to Nick Haddix. Happy 25th birthday to Brittany Worthington. Happy 26th birthday to Aaron Slarv. Happy 34th birthday to Jordan Fowler. Happy 38th birthday to Megan Newman. Happy 50th birthday to Joe Bradley. And last but certainly not least, happy birthday to Hillary Voigt. All right, let's recap some of the best games of week 12 of college football. But first, by the way, people just now yell but first at me at the games. And it's so... I don't even remember how this started. So stupid, though. It makes me laugh every time. I know. I I get um, the butt first, the fancy corn, um, the Java Amore. It's fascinating. It is. It really is fascinating. Just like Love's Travel Stops. The only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Hamare. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator and fuel perks, people. Check it out. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED. That's T-E-D for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED. 
for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off, and you got to get the hoodies, man. These hoodies are amazing. Yeah. you're. Every time I see you, you're wearing that hoodie now. I know I'm wearing it out. It's, no, it's fine. It's, it's a good-looking hoodie. A problem. It's becoming a problem. But and I it's 10% it. off with promo code TED. That's right. Make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join, and it is a proud member of the OSSAA. There are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, let's, let's recap the best games of Week 12 of college football, and let's start. TCU went to Waco and found a way. That's how it is, man. You just got to find a way to win. Uh, You know, it's – we see it every single year. Good football teams go and lose to teams that are not nearly on their level. It's just incredibly difficult to run the gauntlet. So, it may not be pretty. There may have been plenty of opportunities to lose it, but – Finding a way to win is really difficult, and they did it. And they've done it a bunch. They've yeah. actually they they've done it every time they've played. In fact, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. But much. they they win twenty nine twenty eight. And credit to the Horn Frogs, man. Down late in that game, down twenty eight twenty, ended up going and scoring the touchdown they needed to score. Got the stop they needed. I was kind of surprised Baylor didn't go for it there. I, I thought Aranda was going to roll the dice, but. And then this is why you spend all that time on Thursdays and Fridays during the season practicing all kinds of stupid situations where you're like, we're never, this is never going to happen. We're never going to use it. It happened. Mayday field goal. That's what we called it at OU. You practice it every week. I, I heard Sunny Dykes, they call it bazooka field goal. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. But I I'm sure if you gave Sonny Dykes some truth serum, he would have preferred it not play out the way that it did there late in that game, but they decide to run it in that situation and go with bazooka field goal and credit to that special teams unit, to everyone that had a hand in working on that each and every week, executed flawlessly. And Griffin Kell drills it and keeps the undefeated season alive. And that had to feel so good for that kicker because he was the reason they were in that situation. Yeah. Shaking a PAT earlier in the damn game. It was it was wild because I wasn't sure that the kicker was going to make it out there in time. He kind of took his sweet time getting out there. He was the last one to show up out there, and he was – just kind of a slow jog, but he drilled it. That was money. Not easy to do, especially on the road. Uh, credit TCU for execution, man. That's the thing. Like, it, execution is is the is the key factor. Like we've talked about it with Oklahoma a bunch in a bunch of different situations. Just you got to execute, whether it's short yardage, whether it's route running, or you know antennas up in, in an area when people may try and force a penalty. Like whatever it is execution is critical and they nailed it yeah and on the Baylor side of things 
thought Blake Shapin was up and down again, man. Uh, they started fast, but I mean, Shapin missed a big throw early. He was late with the ball. I think it was Monterey Baldwin down the sideline. If he yeah. puts it out there, they would have been up 14 to nothing and kind of rolling. Um, that was, I thought that was a huge play in the game and they ended up missing a field goal there. So instead of being up 14 to nothing, they get no points and they were only up seven to nothing. So he also what floated the ball through an interception in the end zone. Right before the half, they got no points there. Again, you think about in a game, they lost by one point. I mean, Blake Shapin, I don't want to put it all on him, but two two big mistakes there that ended up costing his team significantly. And that's just that's just kind of been the story of his season, man. He's been so up and down. Quarterback matters. Yeah. Quarterback matters. Uh, it's, you know, the difference between, you know, average – good and great quarterbacks is pretty substantial and um you know it's you can see that evidence all throughout you know not just college football but really all levels um hey one more thing about that game saw a lot of questions about this the substitution at the end whenever you're subbing in the field goal team why doesn't the referee stand over the ball and allow the defense to substitute reason is because the defense knows with a very high level of certainty what play that the offense is going to attempt. So in the rule book, it states that it is on the defense to prepare themselves for that play in the same amount of time. So you're not going to, even though there's substitution, you're not, the defense knows what play is coming and has to prepare for it. You you cannot slow sub that situation and run the clock out I, I explained it to two people on Twitter, and that was my limit. I was like, <laughs> I'm telling two people, and then we'll talk about it on the podcast. That's right. Yep. So, yes. So, that was that was refereed properly, and both teams obviously very aware of the rule there. It's, just, it's funny because, like, the reason everyone is basically hyper aware of that now is because of Baylor. Like Baylor basically created this whole mess in the first place with how they used to substitute. So that's why everyone knows it now and is trying to mess with those rules. Pretty funny. Yeah. You cannot, you cannot execute snail on the uh, last second field goal when the field goal units running onto the field. Now you, you mentioned the difference between like having a guy at quarterback. I don't know. I don't know about you, man, but when Duggan had the ball in that last drive, no part of me thought he wasn't going to go win it. Yeah. And that's that's a credit to the season he's put together and kind of the player. But remember, they didn't, they had no Darius Davis at that point. Quentin Johnson rolled that ankle again. He was out. Kendra Miller, I, I don't know. We never got any information why he was out. He just stopped playing in the game after delivering some violent shots i don't know if it was a head injury i don't know i i don't know but they didn't have their three biggest weapons offensively and didn't matter duggan said guys hop on my back i'm gonna use my legs a little bit we'll get this in field goal range we'll go win the game he was bleeding everywhere there was just like blood on like all parts of his body and i i don't think he's got a chance to win the heisman but that sequence, I, I think it's going to take voters. I mean, it's going to take the voters, 
they're they're going to take a long hard look at inviting him because that was that was one of those moments, man. Yep, he's he's been and his team's guy, undefeated. Yep, that's a big factor for a guy that didn't win the opening season starting job. Pretty incredible what he's done. It's incredible, anyways. But whenever you throw that in the mix, uh, just unreal. And the the Heisman Trophy loves a good story. It does. So they'd be able to do that. And remember that heart thing he had back in 2020, didn't know if he was even going to play. Yep. That'd make a sweet feature in the lead up to handing that trophy out. Not going to win, but I I really think he deserves it. What a season for Max Duggan and the Horn Frogs. All right, next game. Ted, I don't know if you love this game or hated it, but man, there was some explosive play. There was a lot of offense in UCLA versus USC. The Trojans get it done 48-45. And USC kind of had to battle out of the hole, right? Fall down 14-0. You're kind of watching it going, oh, UCLA is more physical. USC, they're not going to be able to get it done. Here, the run is over. And, man, give them credit. That defense forced an enormous amount of turnovers again. And Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football. I mean, just some ridiculous throws in this game. And it was like he did it every way you can do it, from the pocket, on the move to his left, on the move to his right, across his body. I mean, the guy's just playing at a really, really high level and did some damage with his legs. Over 500 yards of total offense, three touchdowns, and he was the reason they won the game. Yep. Yep, he was uh, he was incredible. UCLA had the ball with the chance to go down and win the game, and USC came up with a with a turnover. Uh, you know, they forced it there. Didn't even really need to at that point, but took a chance on a throw, cost them the game. Wild atmosphere, fun environment. Uh, as you said, the uh, just a perfect uniform game between those two. It's gorgeous uniform matchup. Gorgeous. Yeah. Caleb Williams, man, he's a he's an absolute stud. There's no doubt. And they did it without their their best running back as well. And that kid that came in did a pretty good job too. What six? Um, yeah. He he played a really nice game for him. Yeah, and they did a really good job of running it into the end zone. But they got down there, and you thought, oh, UCLA, maybe they can bow up in the red zone. No, they did. They did a really good job of scheming some things up, knowing what coverage. They were in, they kind of send two guys and then run it where those guys vacated. It was, it's some really nice design, uh, some design stuff from Lincoln Riley, but turnovers, man. I mean, Alex Grinch's defense, it's unbelievable. Uh, And, you know, on the UCLA side of things, you just, you can't turn the ball over four times and expect to beat a good team. No, you just, uh, that's, and maybe it says a lot about UCLA as a team that the game was as close as it was, even though they were minus three in turnover margin. Like it's, if you're minus three, normally you're, if you're playing a good team, you're losing by multiple scores. So the fact that they had a chance to go, go make some plays and go win the game. But yeah, Dorian Thompson Robinson, he, he had some great moments in that game, but man, he made some really poor decisions with the football. Yeah. UCLA, you know, team that looked so good for so long you know drop a couple of back-to-back drop that setting game to Arizona and then 
you know, now you lose at home to, to USC whenever you had plenty of opportunities to win that football game, started off with a nice lead. It's a frustrating end of the year uh, for UCLA. But what is it? USC, Oregon, right? Perhaps before Oregon wins. Or Yeah, Oregon or Utah, but USC is in. Impressive. So, they got yeah, what? They got I'm, Notre Dame left, which, you know, if they could beat Notre Dame and win the Pac-12, they're gonna have a they're gonna have a realistic look at the playoff. And we said this a couple weeks ago. They run the table. They're gonna be in the playoff because it's a massive brand. And Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, that whole thing, like that stuff matters, whether people want to like it or not. They beat Notre Dame and win the Pac-12 championship game. They're going to the playoff, and Caleb Williams is winning the Heisman Trophy. Yep, most and likely. We said that a couple weeks ago. Like it's just, listen, I know that. We're all hoping, not we, like you and I, we're in a weird situation because we've got some of our best friends on that staff and we want to see those guys succeed. I know there were a lot of OU fans that were hoping it would be a mess out there, right? In year one or in the Lincoln Riley, it has not been. And guy deserves credit. It's a hell of a season, man. It's impressive. Really is. They've done a good job. They've, uh, Quickly put together the pieces there, and uh, they've got a they've got a competitor now. We'll see if they can finish it off. It's not going to be an easy run. Um, they're going to have to earn their way in. That's for sure. And, and apparently, every turnover that Oklahoma's defense under Alex Grinch that they couldn't get is just all in one season at USC. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. And it started in game one. Didn't they have like three pick sixes in the very first game of the year. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this isn't sustainable, and it just keeps happening week after week after week. And it's like, all right, uh, this is this is just Crazy. how they roll. Yep. Okay, last game, another one out in the Pac-12 is another good one, um, very different than the USC UCLA game. Oregon beats Utah. In Eugene, twenty to seventeen. Oregon's defense won them the game. Really, really nice performance by that Oregon defense when they had to have it, right? Because Bo Nix was out there playing on one leg. Their offense is not nearly as effective without him factoring into the run game. His ability to scramble, like he was a statue. It was weird seeing him be a statue, but turnovers, man. Oregon did a nice job, got their hands up at the line of scrimmage, a couple tip balls that resulted in Cam rising picks. Uh, they made Utah earn everything. Ted, like there was nothing easy. They they did not give up many explosive plays at all. They just kept making Utah snap it again, and Utah had every opportunity to win this thing late. But that Oregon defense, what was it? They finished turnover on downs, interception, which was a bad ball by Cam rising. And then another turnover on downs to finish the game. So T-O-D-I-N-T-T-O-D. You talk about a nice way to finish defensively. Damn. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, that Oregon, that, that front seven is big and they are physical. Masul back there running around. Uh, he's a beast. So, yeah, that's a that's a really, really big win for Oregon. Not easy. Uh, cam rising. Got a lot of good experience in big-time games. A uh, nice home environment there. That was uh, – what do you think of those uniforms? Do you like Oregon's uniforms? I actually I, like them. They're, they're not as bad as some of the ones that they've worn this year. I, I they, they caught my eye, which I think is the goal, 
right? Where this this is the best part about Oregon. The second I turned that game on to watch it, I was like, that's Oregon. Didn't <laughs> even see the scroll. It was like that. I, I know exactly who that Instantly. is. Instantly. That's right. Yep. Which is, I, I think, what they're going for. That's brandy. But, That's what you want. But, and, and just kind of reiterate how well Oregon's defense played. One of Utah's touchdowns was the scooping score, right? They botched that reverse play. The guy fumbles it, fumbles the exchange. That's how they scored one of the, that's how Utah scored one of the touchdowns. So, like, Oregon's defense was, and they were awesome. As good as OU's defense was in Bedlam, like, that's, Oregon played that type of game. And I, was that like the was that like a double double reverse play or something where they scooped and scored it on? Yeah, he 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 they were going left and there was a guy wide receiver coming back right. It was just like a pitch, but it was a backwards pitch and he just like couldn't handle it and it fell right to a guy scoops it and walks in for a touchdown. Brutal. Yeah, it was but Oregon able to overcome that and I'll give Bo Nix a lot of credit. The gutsy effort, man. It was had an incredible year. It, and there was some like when he felt pressure, this is how bad he was feeling. He just like laid down. He looked like Matt Ryan. You know, we you know the the yeah. the bit the late Ben Roethlisberger. He just kind of go down. Right? The Eli Manning. Just eh. No. And that's how bad that leg or ankle or whatever's going on felt. Um and I know he had the he interception late, and it was just a, it was a long throw, and you could tell he just couldn't step into it enough. It just floated, but he went out there, and his team got a win, man. And his defense had his back. It was it was pretty cool. Yep, nope, that's a that's a big one. Signer caller doesn't have hundred percent out there, and the defense can back him up. That's uh that's impressive. Utah, I mean. Couple of first year coaches out there put together some really nice teams. Yeah. I mean, Dan Lanning. Future seems bright there at Oregon. And yeah, obviously Lincoln Riley's got things rolling pretty good at USC in year one. So you know, maybe year two for Brent <laughs> Venables. Year two. Big leap year two, right? That's maybe that's what's coming. Two. That's right. The Bob the Bob Stoops year two leap, right? That's let's hope. Well, all I know is you and I, the fan base, we'll have reasonable expectations for year two. We'll oh, yeah. keep it reasonable. Oh, yeah. We never get get out of hand, do we? Never. <laughs> never. You go back to what we said before the year. Oh, we expect them, you know, win 10 games, win the Big 12, be in the, be in the college football playoff picture. Hasn't happened. Hasn't. <laughs> it's a great way. Hasn't happened that way i i saw it played out differently all right let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend but first football time in oklahoma people there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than clubby seltzers clubby seltzers is an oklahoma company that's already winning national awards because their product is delicious it tastes exactly like a club special but it's a seltzer they're not just for tailgating either they're perfect to drink on the golf course by the pool after mowing the lawn whatever if you haven't tried clubby seltzers yet go grab some you won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is out. They got some new flavors. Got a new can. If you want to find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, 
You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, sometimes you just got to follow the money for winners. And how about Mark Stoops? New deal extension through June 2031 that is going to boost his base annual salary from $6.3 million to $8.6 million a year, plus incentives and timing is everything. Signed the new agreement a day before the Wildcats lost to Vanderbilt, ending Vanderbilt's 26-game SEC losing streak. But uh, that's big time. Increases his uh, buyout as well from $1.75 million to $4.5 million if he leaves before uh, this year, June 30th. And then it's going to decrease half a million after uh, June 30th, so each year. So good stuff for Mark Stoops. Got some big money there from Kentucky. They've lost three in a row. Got smacked by Tennessee. Uh-huh. Oh, it, that well, they've lost. No, they've only lost two in a row, right? Because they beat Missouri. They've lost three out of the last four. Yeah. But, hey, it's a basketball school, right? Basketball school paying their football coach $8.6 million a year. I'd say that's a, that's a win in my book. Now, they did keep it close against Georgia. Georgia was never – you know, never in jeopardy of losing that game, but playing, what was it, like 16 to 6 or something like that? Do you think, do you think Mark Stoops will send flowers or edible arrangements to Nebraska and Auburn? Because you got to assume he was, the his agent was able to leverage those openings as a reason that Kentucky Hey, Mark Stoops, more money. Yeah. Edible arrangement. Edible arrangement? Yeah. Yeah. He's an edible arrangement guy for sure. Yeah. It's a lot time. of money, man. That's good Good money. for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Who would have thought that we would, we would arrive at such a place to where, and I think he's done an excellent job there, and I don't mean this any, any disrespect at all, but I, a place like Kentucky where – I don't even know the last time they sniffed an SEC championship. It's been a long, long time. But a place like that that is, I mean, it's a really good program, but they're, they are well down the totem pole in the SEC going to be paying their head coach $8.6 million a year. Incredible. That is. But, hey, I, and I will say, Vanderbilt beat Florida. On Saturday, so Vandy lost doesn't look nearly as bad. They're they're creeping up there. 
it's only a matter of time before the uh, prediction comes true of Vanderbilt is will be the best program in the country. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. Slowly but surely, Clark Lee is building a giant in Nashville. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? I thought about going with Kirk Herbstreet. Really getting the foot rubbed, he heated up on the set of game day. Come on, man. Was not a good look. It was not it was not a good look. My question is did they offer? Did he ask? Dude, it was what was it like five degrees there? So it was stupid cold. Why? I, I mean, I just don't understand. You would think he would have like everything. It, the precautions would have been taken to where that was not necessary. You know what I mean? Like socks, the foot warmers inside the socks, another sock, more foot warmer, you know, like inside the boot. Like, no, I know, but. I'm just saying right now, I'm telling you, that is that's the beginning of the end right there. That, you, you think that's what brings Herb Street down is the well, clip of him getting his foot warmed up? I think, you know, the, the thing about Herb Street is he's always just been the – there's like no negative marks on the guy. There's nothing. Infallible. It's all it's just perfect. No opinion, no nothing, just right down the middle. And then everyone in the country sees him dressed like Indiana Jones, huddled up, and there's a girl in a skirt on her knees on set rubbing his feet to keep his feet warm while he's doing a TV show. It is the absolute worst thing you could ever have. I mean, it's just – it's bad, dude. It's, I mean, it is such it's a It's bad, but work. it's not it, – when you – in the realm of things you could do. Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not bad, but it was it was hilarious. And as he as he talked about it, have you heard him say anything publicly about it? He's gotta say something. What do you say? I I don't know, but you better I would say the self-deprecating route is probably probably the way to go. Like, man, I'm soft. I'm I've just I've gotten too comfortable. Got people rubbing my feet. Keeping them warm, you know, something like that. But yeah, it was. Do you think he's just gonna ha- try to have that like deleted from the internet? <laughs> like he Probably. knows Amazon. He's gonna go to Bezos and be like, "Hey, if that's being stored on like an Amazon server, I need it gone." <laughs> if that will probably happen. I don't know. I don't know who dressed him up like that. Number one, and. I'm more worried about the person who filmed it, who videoed it, and then tweeted it out. That person may disappear, but that was that was hilarious. He's uh, just uh, just brutal there. But I settled on the Jets. Jets only other other than Philly, who went down obviously um, the other night. Jets undefeated road team. They go down in New England. It's three three. Basically, no time left in the game at all. There's like 15 seconds left. They're going to overtime. They have to punt it. They punt it. There's been 537 punts this year in the NFL up to that point. No touchdowns. Well, that streak ended. 
The Patriots return it for a touchdown in the game. Crowd goes insane. What a cool moment. That was awesome. And the worst part about it for the Jets was everyone was watching because they had the power issue at the stadium that like delayed the game. So all the other games were pretty much over. So like I was watching red zone. And so everyone saw them give up that punt return for a touchdown, basically because all the other games were over. Yeah. Brutal, brutal for the Jets. Robert Saylor on the sideline. I thought he was going to throw up. Oh, he was just like, he looked oh. so sad. <laughs> he did. He did. But uh, that was awesome for the Patriots. It, it it was awesome, but Mac Jones, eh, it's okay. A three three game up to that point was uh, pretty slow. Yeah, not a not a lot of offense <laughs> in that <laughs> one. I I wonder who feels better, Patriots fans about Mac Jones or Jets fans about Zach Wilson. I don't know. I don't know if anyone came out of that one feeling great about it. No, Zach Wilson not. was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it was like first year. They could not game. get anything going throwing the football. It was, ugh. but brutal. I don't cheer for either of those teams, so what do I care? <laughs> <laughs> All right, my winner and loser of the week. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You've got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Pal- Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the Philadelphia Eagles. Made the plays in the fourth quarter they had to make to go get a win in Indianapolis. And, you know, they were down double digits, but but found a way. And I, I'm very thankful they did because it saved us a lot of Jeff Saturday discourse. <laughs> right. I mean, that was going to lead to a lot of Jeff Saturday. Should they make him the guy? And that, that still may happen because there's no doubt the Colts have played better since he's taken over. But game was on the line, and the Eagles dialed up QB run game. Yep. Put it in Jalen Hurts' hands, let him use his legs, uh, some creative stuff down there uh, around the goal line. And now the Philadelphia Eagles are 9-1, and one, man. That is... <laughs> crazy and and sometimes in the nfl it's kind of like 
what we talked about with the Oregon situation. Like you just got to find a way. Yep. TCU, just find a way. Even when you're not at your best, just find a way. And that's what the Eagles did. Yeah. Whenever you are in the NFL and you have a young quarterback that can use his legs, still throw the ball effectively, but can also add some stuff with the legs, you got to take advantage of it while you can. It doesn't last very long, man. It's, uh, you look at Russell Wilson, uh, you know, he's been able to move, create, get outside the pocket his whole career. And he's not an old guy, but he's starting to lose that edge and it's been bad in Denver. So yeah, Jalen is taking the league by storm right now. Never thought that he was going to have this great of a start to his career, but man, he's, he looks fantastic. He is right in the middle of the MVP conversation. I mean, he's been, he's been really good, but my winner of the weekend, Shane Beamer in the South Carolina Gamecocks or Spencer Rattler. I don't know who to go with all three South Carolina, Shane Beamer, Spencer Rattler. They smacked Tennessee 63, 38. Whoa. I mean, and it looked like an awesome atmosphere there in Columbia. That that does not look like an easy place to play a road game at night, Ted. No, no. that was wild. That was wild. Um, what a performance, man. Put up 63. What was that? I saw the uh, the second most points ever scored on a top five team. It is. It's also the most points Tennessee has ever allowed in an SEC game. Woo. They've been playing football for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, you talk about a big-time performance from the Gamecocks, and it it was such a bummer seeing Hendon Hooker go down with the ACL. Yeah. The second it happened, I knew it. The second I saw that he couldn't lock his knee out, I was like, that meniscus is rolled up in that joint. Welcome to Team Torn ACL, Hendon, uh, unfortunately, but we are uh, glad to have you. Welcome to the club. That was a bummer, but Ooh. South Carolina was blowing him out before that even happened. I mean, that was in the fourth quarter. So it's been a very up and down year for Spencer Rattler, but he was on fire in this game. It was like every, like all the potential came together and was relinquished in one night. I mean, he was throwing darts. Ted, six great. touchdowns. Over there counting on the sideline. Oh, that was that was a sweet <laughs> celebration. I was like, okay, Spencer. Okay. That that was cool. I it was good to watch him play like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think a lot of OU fans would agree. Like it was nice to see him have have that moment, have that that type of game. But man, he he was throwing darts. Yep. I mean, it was impressive. That's college football, man. You just you never know. I know like the easy thing is to always look at someone's schedule and say, oh, they're going to win out. Tennessee, you know, we talked about it. They're sitting in this perfect situation. It's just it. there's a lot of preparation. A lot of things have to go right every single week, no matter who you're playing. Yeah, and South Carolina not only was Rattler great, but they used the Wildcat stuff really effectively uh, in some short yardage situations down by the goal line. Tennessee's defense pretty much the entire night had no answers. And Ted, I sent you a few clips. There's some quit oh, yeah, out yeah, there yeah. for Tennessee's defense. And Josh Heupel is going to be furious 
when he sees some of that stuff on tape. Oh, my goodness. Brutal. Brutal. No way around that. That's that's ugly. But I, I'm so happy for Beamer, man. He's uh, difficult circumstances there at South Carolina. He just so happened to take over the job as Tennessee and Georgia are – you know, on their runs and at the height of what they've been. And he's still still turning out some positive stuff there, man. Still changing the culture, getting getting some good energy around the program. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. He's also the most likable guy ever. So there's I that. South Carolina is it's easy to cheer for them for me. Absolutely. He's like the he's like the coolest dude ever. But yeah, it's a bummer for Tennessee. I mean got to be extremely disappointing for Josh Heupel. Uh, those players, not only does your quarterback go down, and he, I know this is this is brutal, but it's just kind of reality. His chances of winning the Heisman go away as well. Yep. Um, and you're no longer you're you're not you're not going to the playoff. So what looked like was going to be an extremely special season for Tennessee now. It's still a great year, right? What are they, nine and two? And and it feels like that that program's heading in a great direction under Hypel, but gotta be really disappointing for those guys. That was a to lose is one thing. To get your ass smacked like that is that's another. That was a beatdown. Lose, get smacked, lose your quarterback. Um, yeah, which just goes to show how incredibly difficult it is to win a championship in college football. Yeah, no doubt. And they better watch out. They finished with Vandy. Vandy's on a heater. They are. They are. Vandy's on a heater. All right, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Michigan, man, because now, now I know they got the win over Illinois, and there were some interesting no calls late in that football game, but – they get it done there at the big house, 1917. While they won, man, Blake Corum, that did not look good. Now, I thought it was a positive sign that they were comfortable enough to put him back out on the field, but he he tried to give it a go for one play, and that leg was not having it. So with Ohio State coming up this week, they're not going to have their star player. Like he is the key to everything they do offensively. And I think a lot of people realize that with the way that McCarthy looked at quarterback in the second half of that game, dude look lost yeah. without quorum out there. So man, I don't know, but I, I felt like while they got a win losing Blake Horn, that's, that is a huge blow. If he can't go against the Buckeyes. Yep. Nope. I agree. But and just side note to that. How about the job Bilma's done at Illinois? Yeah. Turned that program around as quickly as he has. They've, they've, they've looked pretty impressive this year. Yeah. Their running back's really good. He's yeah. going to be on, he's going to play on Sundays. He's a good player. But also thought about going with the New York Giants. A lot of excitement, right? Around New York football. And Dan Campbell and our Detroit Lions, Ted, went Love to MetLife. Forced three turnovers, capitalized on those turnovers, and the Detroit Lions have their first three-game winning streak since November of 2017, baby. Ooh. Wow, five years? That's incredible. Oh, man. I guess not. Yeah, five years. That's that's impressive. Dan Campbell, man, look at him go. 
Love that Love guy. It. Love it. And they shut down Saquon. It was impressive. Really. They they played well defensively. But my loser of the weekend, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Come on, man. Blow a 17-point lead to Georgia Tech. They end up falling to the Yellow Jackets 21-17. Just a reminder, Georgia Tech fired their coach earlier this year. And in this game, they were not only playing their third-string quarterback, but they also played their fourth-string quarterback. And those two guys did some damage. <laughs> so I I am I'm heartbroken for the Josh Downs kid, man. That was a that was a perfect ball from Drake May to drop that what would have been the game winner on fourth down in the end zone. And I know there's some time left when he dropped it, but and who knows how it ends up playing playing out, but like to see how dejected he was in the end zone after he dropped it. I felt so bad for that kid. Yeah. And I, if you think about North Carolina, I, the way some things have gone down, I, there was a, there was a spot opening up in the college football playoff. It's opening up yeah. with the way things are, are, are playing out. Uh, especially like Tennessee is out of the picture now. Uh, it's that's wild and again that's why it's college football is so hard you got a team that's playing the way they are guy that's up for the Heisman and you get beat by a four-string quarterback it's just incredible yeah so they had the outside shot of making the CFP gone now they can still go win an ACC title which you know you still you're, you're playing in a New Year's six game right if you do that but not going to the playoff whether it's right or wrong, Drake May's been incredible for them, but them losing that game, he's not going to win the Heisman anymore. He's not. I mean, that's just that's how it works. right? You can't lose games like that and win the Heisman Trophy. You just can't. So both of those things, CFP, Heisman, they disappear, and credit goes to Georgia Tech's defense, man. No one has been able to hold Drake May in check like that and – they shut them down. They shut that offense down. It was really, really impressive. And now Georgia Tech's got an interesting decision to make, right? Because they've been a much better team since firing Jeff Collins. And what Brent Key is four and three now as an interim coach at Georgia Tech. It's pretty dang those, good, man. It's one of those things where like whenever you fire someone, you know, there's the interim coach that takes over. It's like just don't be just don't be very good. Win a couple, but don't don't make our decision very difficult. We've got a target we're going after. Just make sure you don't beat one loss at the time, North Carolina, with who's got a Heisman candidate quarterback. Oh no, he's done it. It's like, but I will say I was I was getting pretty excited for that ACC championship game between Clemson and North Carolina. This loss for the Tar Heels takes a lot of sizzle away from that game, but now and I know it's not going to make a lot of people happy. Clemson, they got a lot of help on Saturday, man. I I don't know if they control their own destiny or whatever term you want to use, but they're in a much better place to make the college football playoff than they were a couple days ago. Yeah. I still get, think I get st- prepared for lobbying Dabo. Yeah. I still think North Carolina is going to beat them. I hope you're right. 
because I just don't want to. I just want to see someone else. Like, it's nothing against Dabo. I, I don't know what it I just want to see someone else. Yeah, I, I can hear him already. Oh, well, we got to go undefeated every year to make it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, two One long- last conference champ. Can't get in. Little old Clemson. Hmm. It, it's coming. Prepare yep. yourselves, people. It's coming. Episode 268 in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop wednesday just a reminder you can hear teddy from three to six on 94 7 the ref you can hear me from two to five on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great week it's almost thanksgiving people prepare accordingly don't don't be the person that goes to the grocery store like thursday morning (laughs) don't don't set yourself up for that anxiety do it early get it done early until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.